This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello, welcome to episode 98 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined today by Brady and David. Today, we're going to be talking about Georgia State's deflating 45-16 to loss to App State last Saturday to open conference play and fall to 1-4, and and then we'll proceed to preview the Panthers' upcoming road contest at ULM. But first, that App State loss. After a close-fought, uneven first half from both teams, App State held a 14-6 lead at the break. Georgia State got into the end zone for the third time of the game on their first drive in the third quarter. But for the third trip straight, all they could muster was a field goal to cut the deficit to 14-9. On the first play of the Mountaineers' next drive, they hit pay dirt, courtesy of a 79-yard Corey Sutton touchdown catch, and they were soon off to the races. In a discouraging second half, Georgia State let the app lead get as lopsided as 45-9 before a late Talik Williams 66-yard touchdown, the first of his young career, made it a 45-16 final score. Notable development on Saturday was the return of Quad Brown at quarterback on the Panthers' third offensive series of the game after Darren Granger had replaced him as starter in the previous two games. He finished 16 for 31 with 171 yards and a pair of interceptions, led the offense on three of its four scoring drives, and stayed in charge of the offense until the game was well out of hand. So, gentlemen, how about that game between the Panthers and the Mountaineers? I just want to point out that you said deflating, which, man, that just really, really describes this game. Um, the half was good. The first half was, you know, it was pretty good. But this game really reminded me of that home game against App in 2019. Um, Georgia State got up in that game 21-7. to And then App kind of just came back and fought all the way back to take a lead at halftime. And then the Panthers really couldn't score again until like the very end of the game. Um, It just didn't look good. And this game was kind of similar. They went into halftime down 14 to six. Uh, Georgia State was down. And then they came out in the second half, scored three points. And then... App kind of just went on and did App State things. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was one of those situations where one team made adjustments and that team wasn't Georgia State. And Georgia State kind of just never really found any sort of punch after that. Um, you know, you could say uh, a number of things, honestly. And I'm sure, Brady, you could, you'll kind of touch on that a little bit more. But... It's just one of these days, I'm telling you, it's 0-8 in the series now. One of these days, Georgia State is going to figure out the app machine, and it's going to be a glorious day. Yeah, uh, just like you said, it was, a game, it was a game further than just a half. I mean, one, they had it in the red zone to maybe make it a tie game at 14, had to settle for that field goal. And then Corey Sutton got the touchdown, and that really felt like it unlocked things for App State just all around because the next drive on defense, they were able to force an interception. Uh, interception that goes on Quad Brown's ledger, but it's not as much his fault. That He's had some bad interceptions this year, but this one he got hit. He had a guy running kind of free, and we won't know how that play plays out if he doesn't get hit because he did have an open receiver. But as it stands, he got hit. Interception happens. They drive down. They get a field goal out of it. Uh, and then the next drive, again, another interception. 
But this time, Georgia State forces a fumble with, with tremendous all-effort play from Robert Lewis. He runs down, forces DeMarco Jackson to fumble it. Pat Bartlett falls on it right on the sideline. And it's still, at that point, it was a game that App State had been the better team in for most of it, even though it had been a game for most of it. And yet, you were down 15 with 4.51 in the quarter, the third quarter. You had finally gotten something to bounce your way. And so if there was still, you know, there was still a chance that they could do something at that point against the run of play, but they go three and out. And so I, I put that time down that 451 in the third quarter, it was 24 to nine with 1051 left in the fourth quarter. It was 45, nine. So in that 10 minute stretch, the game just went completely out of reach and it was a really discouraging stretch. Some big plays that got allowed that, you know, one of them was a big pass play that just really bad angles all around, let an 80 yard pass play happen down the sideline. The guy sidestepped down, tiptoed, and stayed in bounds and scored. And then the one that made it 45 9, uh, just, you know, arm tackles to try and get a big running back down, didn't do anything. He scored from 22 yards out. And just two plays that really can't happen in any any game. You know, it's the type of things that we saw a lot from the 2018 defense that struggled a lot. It's the thing that's been cut out more and more. And so obviously I think that the, the focus is going to have to be not letting that define the rest of the season. Cause if that's the team and if they feel like that's them and they can't get over that hump, then there's not a lot of games left that they can win on the schedule. But if they look at this one and four start and feel disappointed, but take it a game at a time and try and find something again, then that's where they can try and, salvage something out of the season and uh you know that's what they're gonna have to do to overcome what's already been a really disappointing start to the year yeah it definitely has been disappointing um and i guess my my concern i suppose you could say has just been when the offense isn't producing points it just kind of feels like the defense is kind of being held together by duct tape. And I, I think, like, last year, you got the sense that, like, Georgia State could kind of score on anybody at will. In 2019, you know, when Dan was healthy, you kind of got that sense that they could just score at will, more or less. Um, this year, I, that, that hasn't been the case. You know, I know App State was a good, they have a good defense, obviously. You know, and the game plan was to pass the ball. You know, you mentioned it. Uh, last week, especially that it was going to come down to passing. And I think, you know what? I'll be honest. I thought quad looked good. Um, it, it was by no means a perfect performance. Um, I didn't necessarily think the interceptions were his fault. Um, but I think the short passing game was there, you know, kind of the intermediate passing game was there a little bit. Um, and it definitely worked for a good majority of the game. You know, the kind of the ironic thing is Darren was the one that got the over the top touchdown, you know, in garbage time. But, you know, it was another game this year where just the running was just not really there um, when it needed to be. You know, the final numbers kind of look good ish, you know, 40 attempts for 134 yards. But it wasn't really that impactful when it needed to be there. And and I think, you know, we, we probably should start having some questions about, you know, when this team is playing better defenses, if they're going to be able to, you know, 
like what the game plan is for them to be able to put points on the board because like I said, you you saw it this past weekend with App State. Like once they got into the red zone, it was kind of like, okay, where are these last couple of yards going? Nowhere. All right, we're gonna have to be kicking field goals, you know? Like that has happened a lot of times this year. Yeah, right after the game I was talking to somebody about it and the thought process of like, well, what what about going for on fourth down there in the red zone against App State? One of those times, maybe just the last time in when they're starting the third quarter. And my response was just, I feel like they just said, what's going to be different on this fourth down that wasn't, you know, that what's going to be different on fourth down than what happened on first, second and third down where the execution wasn't there. I didn't fully break down the entirety of like what went wrong in every play, but there was a mix of just confusing play calls. The third down on one of those red zones, it was like a rollout to the right. And there was like a guy on a route. It was like Aubrey Payne slipping out in the flat. And there were a couple receivers running to the left. And I'm assuming that it was just get Sam Pinkney out in space and make them think he's the target. And, uh, you know, then they'll put their attention that way and then you can sneak Aubrey Payne. But the problem with flipping to one side and rolling out to one side and having even one or two guys that you can target is if they're covered, you can't do anything. And you've rolled all of the defense that way. So it's not like Quad can suddenly run up the gut and get a touchdown on his own there. So I think that there was a mix of just... And the other part of it is that App State's good in the red zone and that they did kind of what Georgia State did to Auburn last week where... They were dropping back and passing on third downs. And, uh, you know, it, we saw with Bo Nick struggling to unpack some zones and Georgia State did a good job forcing field goals. It was the same with App State. They just, there wasn't anything there. Uh, and, yeah, uh, the other thing I wanted to say is you, you mentioned off the start of your thing about the similarities with the 2019 game against App State. And, you know, Dan wasn't healthy in that game. And that's a big old what if, what would have happened if those teams play when Dan's healthy. But, you could go back to that game and say there's a reason why the team kind of hit a wall and fell off from there. And you can't really with this team. And so that's, I think, maybe where the disappointment comes from is that in that game, it, I don't want to say it's a built in excuse, but you have a thing you can look back at and say, yes, your quarterback who had been your you know, the, the leader of your offense got hurt. He wasn't the same. You couldn't go to another quarterback, really, that was going to give you a chance to win. And so when he kind of hit his wall the team did this wasn't the case like that you had guys back you had Cornelius McCoy play again you had Sam Pickney again Sam had his best game of the year and hopefully that's a you know an indicator of what's to come because he's finally getting healthy getting back into the rhythm things but you had the guys you needed to succeed you just weren't able to do it you know uh kind of going back to that disappointment um I think part of like I can, you know I can only speak for myself when I say this. Go, going back to that 2019 game, with a minute and 38 seconds left in the first quarter, Chris Bacon returned a touchdown, returned an, inter, an interception for a touchdown to put Georgia State up 21-7. Georgia State scored six points the entire rest of the game. 2020, when they went at app in Boone, North Carolina last year, they played a phenomenal game, kind of, you know, a similar style game in terms of, you know, not really doing enough in the second half. Georgia State outscored App 10 to 3 by halftime. App State scored two touchdowns in the second half, and they had kicked a field goal in the first half. 
in the first quarter and App State won the game. Georgia State could only muster three points in the second half. And it's, it's just something about those second half adjustments that we're just not seeing when these two teams line up. You know, you mentioned Sam. Honestly, I don't think Sam. It's we. I don't think Sam is having a bad year. I don't. And I, I know that there are probably some people that see his production numbers and they're kind of questioning. I, I, and I, I said that to start for a reason, because I really don't like what I'm seeing from the Georgia State offensive line lately. And I know that they've gone against some good rushes. Um, you know, it's hard to block for 60 minutes. I get that. And I know that Sumter didn't start. And they had Avery Reese at center for a couple of plays in the beginning of the App State game this year. The whole first half. The whole first half. Okay. Um, and I, I would love some insight from you because you were there, obviously. But I just have not been too pleased with the offensive line play that I'm seeing from Georgia state right now. And I, and I think that has impacted guys like Sam and the quarterbacks more than uh, almost anything else. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I'm going to have to see when they play some of these games coming up that are against defensive fronts that you think you can work against. Cause I mean, coach Elliott basically said it in his post game that they were going to the passing game a lot more as an emphasis because they didn't think that this was a team they were going to be able to run the ball like they usually do. And I, I thought that was interesting just because of the fact that everything about Coach Elliott usually is, you know, we're going to run the ball. That's what we're going to do. And so I think it was respect paid to App State that they weren't going to be able to do what they usually do. Uh, and I think it worked for the first half. Uh, the quick passes were there. It was a lot like the second quarter against Auburn where, you know, in this case it was quad. Quad was getting the ball out fast. Guys were open. Uh, at least a couple of plays where guys made things happen. You know, Jamari Thrash got out in space on a little, like, one-second route and made a guy miss and got 15 yards. Am dragged half the App State offense with him on that, you know, in the game. And I think that was the first drive of the third quarter. And uh, drove. I think that was like a 24-yard gain on that one. And that's the thing. That's the theory, the part of it that isn't... You want to get the explosive plays and obviously throws like the one to Tariq Williams in the fourth quarter is great. You know, that's what you're looking for. But you can get bigger plays out of quick pass. It isn't just like get the ball out and get six yards. Like if you get a guy in space and you trust your skill guys, and I think Georgia State's got some good ones out on the perimeter, they can make some plays out of nothing. And so I think that that was part of it and that was working. And then in the second half, it was the pass rush. And whether you want to say that's an App State pass rush thing or Georgia State needing to be better on the offensive line, it was an impact. Both the interceptions were impacted because a guy got in and got to quad and hit quad as he was throwing. And they started teeing off on the shots in the second half. So it was a good adjustment. But, you know, I think my answer is we'll see because we've got teams coming up on the schedule where you look at it and you go, Georgia state should be able to run the ball in this game. And Georgia state should be able to pass protect well in this game. And so if it continues into the rest of this October schedule, and we're still saying the same things, I'd say it's probably about time to say, yes, there's some there there, but right now I'm not there yet. Cause I think you can say the team, you know, I don't want to dish on Charlotte. I think Charlotte's a good team. They've been playing well. Still got a winning record, which is obviously more than Georgia State can say at this point. But the team that you looked at in that first five games and say, who can Georgia State look the best against was Charlotte. And they did look their best, especially as you talk about the run game. The offensive line played a great game against Charlotte. And so if you think you can look more like how you looked against Charlotte against the teams you got in October, somehow, you know, work your way to two and four, then three and four, then four and four. 
I think everyone's feeling a lot better, but I think given all that we've seen for the most part is these poor results, especially with things that George State's usually doing, doing pretty well, like running the ball. It's, it's easy to doubt and it's easy to have questions. So I understand it. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Um, so uh, obviously we're going to have to talk about the quarterbacks and I guess, you know, we'll just use this time to do that because you're right. If Georgia state is going to end up turning their season around and get to that four and four, as you mentioned, it's going to be on the strength of whomever takes this dang job and plays well. Um, so I, w- I want to talk about quad just for a second. Um, cause I didn't know this until kind of going back and like, just looking at it and just looking at the numbers, you know, he completed 10 passes in a row on Saturday. I did not know. Thinking back to my memory of the game, I remember the sequence of when when that would have happened. So I believe that for sure. Yeah. So he did follow that up with nine straight incompletions, including two interceptions. So it's kind of like you take the good with the bad in that regard, but he looked, like, I, I know Georgia State only scored 16 points, and I know that the touchdown was not him, and I know he still has yet to throw a touchdown on the season. I understand all of those things. But I can definitively say that the quad that we saw on Saturday was not the quad that we have seen at any other points this year. The one that we saw on Saturday was the bad version of the one that we saw last year, which is still much better than the one that we've seen this year. I hope all of that made sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I was following you. I, and I, I agree. My thought was in the game at the moment. I mean, in the second half, like I said, App started doing some things that were working for them on defense that started taking away what they were looking for. But it looked like a guy who was more in command. And it's still, he wasn't taking over the game, running the ball. And although he did have a couple of times, I think there was one where he two straight plays got a first down on his legs and he looked more willing to do it, even though it's still not something I think he's fully there with yet, but he looked comfortable back there and he didn't look nearly as indecisive as he had looked in the army game and the UNC game. And so I think if that's the decision going forward for the the staff, that quad is going to stay the starter because this week, the, I, I don't know the gauntlet got laid down. I guess you could say coach Elliott said he doesn't want to do a quarterback two quarterback system. He wants to pick a guy. And so that's what this week was going to be about. And so if it's quad, I think the bet you make is that he can give you whatever in the running game. He gives you the running backs with good blocking can actually handle that part of the game, which is true. I mean, we saw it last year with the passing game working and quad, not doing a ton in the running game, the running back still carried a lot of it and did a good job. And so I think you can see that version of the team and, you know, I've kind of gone all the way around on this one because at first it was like, yeah, you, you go with quad. He's the starter. And then when things were going bad and neither one was really that effective passing the ball, you went with, yes, this change of Darren makes sense because if ne- if you accept the theory that neither of them are doing well enough passing the ball right now, you go with the guy who can run the offense, running the ball is willing. And Darren did a great job with that. And I can't say anything, but. Uh, praise about how he played overall, taking everything into account against Charlotte and against Auburn. But, you know, going forward, you've got, as I said, games in October that feel more in, you know, nothing is a given, given that you've been one in four and haven't played that great, but you feel better about your chances to win at ULM against Texas State at home and going down and beating Georgia Southern. And this is kind of a get right period. And so 
if you think that you can continue to see quad grow and you think you can continue to get stuff out of the run game without the quarterback being as much of a factor as it might be if Darren Granger is the quarterback, then I think you trust that the sophomore has been going through some stuff. Just any young quarterback does quarterback development's an incredibly hard thing to do. Uh, and you continue to ride with number four, number four. I, the other side of it is just that you look at it and you say, it's not necessarily the offense that best utilizes the guy we have on the perimeter, but we can take some deep shots with Darren Granger, kind of run like a flex bone style out of the spread formations and run the ball a lot and take some home run shots and Darren Granger's the quarterback. But, you know, I, I will pick a side on this one and I will say, I think it makes the most sense for where the skill players are with the, you know, with Jamari thrash taking a step up with Sam Pinckney being the guy we know he is with the tight ends with even the guys in the slot, you know, Robert Lewis is earning more playing time. Terrence Dixon's done a good job. Uh, I think that you say we have to continue to try and get more out of the passing game. And I think your best bet to do that is with Cornelius Brown at quarterback. And so if I was in charge, that'd probably be the call I'd make, but I I am sure that practice this week is going to not be a formality that how the guys actually go against each other is going to matter in the decision-making. And so, you know, we'll see you on Saturday night against Louisiana Monroe. There it is. The official Thursday night stamp of approval for quad Brown to be the Georgia state quarterback. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you though. And I am frustrated at myself that I agree with you um, because I My feel like I'm, <laughs> right <laughs> seriously um i have i've talked myself into the logic that if georgia state wants to run the ball darren will be the guy because he adds a level of uh ability running the ball that i think that quad is lacking uh, mm, i said ability but i mean confidence he has a level of confidence and kind of understanding when it comes to running the ball um, that it just looked like Georgia state was more fluid. Um, But I think ultimately if this team is going to be where they should be, it's got to be on quads back. Um, And that's kind of frustrating in a way because he hasn't looked right this year, you know, sophomore slump or, you know, whatever. Um, we, we, we don't know. We don't know what it is. And he, you know, he looked, like I said, he looked good at certain times in the app state game. And, you know, maybe some of the things that he's working through have been fixed in practice or will be fixed during these next couple of games, you know, hopefully, but I do think it has to be quad. Um, my fear is that they get it wrong. Um, as with any sort of quarterback competition, you know, you don't want to think that they'll get it wrong. And I, I hope they don't get it wrong because, you know, the team doesn't want to be one and four. The fans don't want them to be one and four. And, you know, but I just, I just hope that the team can finally settle in on offense and, you know, go back to being what they were last year because the personnel is literally the same. So. And I guess, you know, as a final coda, the app game, if you're looking at, you know, the, the throws weren't there. Like he dropped back to pass a couple of times in those red zone trips. And the, the red zone trips are the game to me. You had three times in the red zone and you got field goals out of all of them. Any one of them in the moment would have tied the game or could have tied the game. If you get a two point conversion, all of them together, you are probably leading the game at the point where that third red zone trip happens. Uh, just, and so when you look at those trips, I mean, there were missed throws by quad, but I, I wouldn't say that like 
if there's another quarterback in that situation, the results go differently. I think that the offense as a whole got out executed in those situations. So if you're looking at the game and looking at why you lost and you look at, you know, would a different quarterback in that situation have been the guy who gets those touchdowns? I don't know that necessarily you can say that. And so you can see the good that you did get and you can try and correct what went wrong and you can definitely drill red zone offense for most of the week and make sure that you've got that going right for this ULM game. So I, that's where I, I also, my final thought is just that I don't think that quad, even if he wasn't at his best on the stat sheet, I don't think that where he fell short is why you lost. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to this weekend, the ULM game uh, but first some roster news as you may have heard senior safety chris bacon has entered the transfer portal uh, bacon was signed out of high school from westlake in atlanta in coach elliott's first signing class he had 105 career tackles and two interceptions one of which was returned for a touchdown against app state in 2019 as we mentioned previously and he played 37 games for the panthers Redshirt freshman Jalen Tate slides into his spot on the depth chart and is in line to get his first career start as Chris Moore is due to miss the first half against ULM due to the targeting penalty he picked up in the third quarter of the last game. As for ULM, they are 2-2 two and two on the year, fresh off a 59-6 trouncing at the hands of Coastal Carolina. They are, though, an undefeated 2-0 at home in 2021. In his first year, the Warhawks head coach is the much-experienced Terry Bowden, the son of the late great FSU coach Bobby Bowden. Terry Bowden has a career record of 177 wins, 116 losses, and two ties across six stops in his career. The all-time series between Georgia State and ULM is knotted at three apiece, though it is three-and-one in favor of the Panthers since Coach Elliott arrived on campus. Uh, other news for the Warhawks, quite a scary situation for starting quarterback Rhett Rodriguez, son of offensive coordinator Rich Rodriguez, who suffered a serious lung injury in the Troy game, spending some time in the hospital. But he's out of that immediate danger now, still out of football action for the foreseeable future, though. Best wishes to him in his recovery. The Panthers will see a combo of freshman Chandler Rogers and sophomore Colby Suits in his place. And on defense, super senior Ty Shelby has half of the team's 10 sacks himself, so the Georgia State offensive line is going to have to keep a contain on big number 44. Gentlemen, the Warhawks, what you got? So we moved on to ULM, but I do want to say, because you mentioned it in the uh, blurb about the safety shakeup that went on, and the, the targeting penalty means that uh, Jalen Tate likely is the starter. I haven't heard any news that the targeting got overturned. And you know, the more I looked at it, it was a pretty rough targeting call, in my opinion. I don't think that it should have been called a targeting. And that wasn't necessarily my immediate reaction. It looked like he launched a little bit to me. But the thing that, you know, I don't want to spend too much time hammering a coaching staff that won by 29. But like, what are you doing hanging your quarterback out to dry like that when you're up in your own territory driving the ball? Like my immediate reaction, aside from, OK, maybe that's targeting was why is that the play call there? Yeah, I I agree with that as well. It looked like he led with his shoulder, and even if he did leave with his head, you can't let your quarterback just die like that. That just doesn't make any sense. Um, so saving grace for them was that he came back in. He was we saw Bryce again, so you know it's a good thing that he wasn't seriously hurt. He was able to come back into the game, uh, but I, I really don't understand. Yeah, made no sense to me either. But as far as this game, uh, we've talked about just a little bit of what Georgia State needs to do better. And, you know, 
short of anything else, we talked about the red zone offense. And so I'll compare App State and ULM's red zone defense so far this year and make a point about that is that App State, as of now, has allowed 13 of 16 red zone trips to end in scores for their def- for their opponents, but only four of those scores are touchdowns. So what they've done, I get you know, what they did last Saturday matches with what they've been able to do this season. Whereas ULM is allowed 11 of 12 scores on opponents, red zone trips, and nine of those 11 scores are touchdowns. And so starting nowhere else, I would just say you've got an opponent that has not necessarily had their track record of being stingy in the red zone. So when you get back in the red zone this game, and assuming that's going to happen, if the offense is able to continue to put drives together, you're just going to have to score touchdowns. You know, it's especially a situation where Georgia State is a double-digit favorite on the road as we record this podcast. If you take that assumption that you are that much better than this team, which, you know, the one in four team coming out of the tunnel shouldn't because they haven't been playing well enough to warrant feeling that way. But if you want to assume that that's the way it's going to play out, that it's Georgia State is that much better of a team, then the quickest way you let teams hang around is by kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I, I'll give, you know, my own share of numbers to ULM is averaging on defense, giving up 50% of their third downs. Like that's a, opponent offenses conversion rate. It's a 48%, which is bad. That's very bad. Um, I mean, this is going to have to be one of those just get right Georgia State games. You know, it sucks because these if you look at all of the games that have been played, these are the two worst scoring offenses in the conference. So I guess theoretically we're in for, you know, a barnstormer type of game if neither of them can get out of their own way. Um, But I, I do think that just looking at who ULM has played, it is by no means, you know, an offense that is going to, that should be able to put points up on a Georgia state defense that played as well as they did against the likes of Auburn. And, you know, as well as they did against Charlotte. Um, I mean, the ULM's high water mark this season is 29 against Troy, which was higher than Georgia state's high water mark. You know, that's true, but you know, 12 points against Jackson state, 10 points against Kentucky, you know, six points against coastal, there's definitely some offensive questions for this team, and I think Georgia State should definitely take advantage of it. Yeah, and I mean, add in the uncertainty with the quarterback position, uh, which obviously a very unfortunate thing with Rhett Rodriguez getting hurt, hoping all the best for him to continue to recover, and hopefully he gets to be back on the field for ULM at some point. But they've got a freshman and a sophomore. I think Rodgers is more the running type guy, and he's more the quote-unquote starter, though. From what I heard from Terry Bowden, his availability earlier this week, it didn't sound like it was settled. Like it's a chance we still see Colby suit some. So I guess we'll see how that shakes out. But last year in this matchup, uh, Georgia state had six sacks uh, and ULM has allowed 14 in the five games they played so far. And again, they've played two top 15 teams or two top 20 teams. However you want to look at rankings uh, in Kentucky and coastal. And so like Georgia state, they can probably look at that and say some of those numbers are a little bit because of the level of opponent they've played. But I think the the one thing that you could say for the Georgia State defense that I think they've been dealt some bad hands and I think they've played well enough to stay in games for as long as the offense has allowed them in some games. And like with App State this past week at a certain point, they just kind of couldn't hold the fort anymore. But I think that the thing that you'd be looking more for from them is getting pass rush, getting home because they've got 
seven sacks on the year. And that works out to two a game against UNC, against Charlotte, against Auburn, the one against App State. And then you didn't get any sacks against Army. And so the fact that you played at least one team in five games that you weren't really going to get chances to sack the quarterback deflates those numbers a little bit. But it hasn't been effective enough. And it cost them a couple of times in the App State game where they could have gotten a couple more sacks that would have maybe ended drives or set drives way back. And so I think you got to look at this as a situation where the Georgia State front's going to have to get home. It's going to be a guy, you know, Ben Ziao's got sacks. Blake Carroll's got sacks. The guys up front are going to have to win their lineup, win their matchup on the offensive line, get home and get to the quarterback, get right, and kind of reset that tone because I think that that's something that's been missing that could maybe really help the defense find a little bit more impact. Yes, I'm glad that you I was going to mention it, but I'm glad that you did, because you're absolutely right. It's not that Georgia State is necessarily deficient in sacks. They're deficient in sacks without blitzing. And that has been a problem this year. Um, And I think that is a problem that we didn't foresee, I suppose, because if you look at Georgia State's, you know, who's kind of leading the team in sacks. Their two linebackers are the ones with sacks. I mean, shoot, their safe, uh, Chris Moore has a full sack, and that currently is more sacks than any member of the Georgia State defensive line. And I don't even think that they've necessarily played poorly. Like, I, I can't point to a specific game where the defensive line played poorly. I just don't think that they got home at the rate that, you know, you would like. And, you know, Nate Fuquay, the defensive coordinator for State, he's not really a, a guy who likes to bring a lot of blitzes. You know, I'm not saying that they're sending the full house or anything, but, you know, you saw that Venzial sack um, <laughs> on Bryce last week, which was a huge hit. Uh, you know, it's a good play, but there definitely needs to be a bigger emphasis on, you know, bringing pressure up front. And I think that going for because, you know, like they have 24 tackles for loss. You know, it's, it's not like they're not getting in the backfield at all. They're just for whatever reason, just not bringing down quarterbacks. So definitely think that that number needs to improve this week and just go bully another offensive line and be the unit that you think that you be like, just, just be, just play bully ball. Yeah. And switching to the other side, uh, you know, ULM's got pretty decent numbers against the run as a defense, uh, 128 yards per game and 4.4 yards per carry. They're fourth in the conference in rush defense. So it's not necessarily where you would look at to where Georgia State's got an inherent advantage, but I'm assuming they're going to try and get the run game going against this team. I don't think that they're going to look at it like they did with App State and say, we've got to pass first. But having said that, ULM is the second worst in the conference in pass defense uh, with 317 yards allowed passing and the worst with a 72% completion percentage allowed. So if you're looking at Georgia State's struggles and saying they need to pass the ball more and they need to have some more completions, which that's definitely true. Both quarterbacks hitting around 50% is not good enough at all. Got to be north of 60, but at least approaching 60, which they haven't been this season. But you look at this situation, you're coming into a game against a team that's you know, more than two-thirds of the time almost three-fourths of the time when the opponent drops back to pass, it's a completion. It feels like the formula for Georgia State's passing game to finally find some rhythm. But, you know, like I say, I don't think that there's a lot of shoulds that Georgia State football can say right now, like, should go win this game, should be able to assert your will in the run game, because it hasn't happened yet. I just think they're going to have to go out and do. Like, 
I think that Georgia State, if they play well, if they play their own game, this is a game that they should be able to control both lines of scrimmages, put up points, and not really get threatened that much with the you know on ULM's offense. Uh, but we definitely didn't say any culmination of factors that would lead to Georgia State being one and four and looking at the way they have at this point. And so you can't really say should with this. It's just they've got to go out and perform. Also take care of the ball. ULM has the best turnover margin in the conference. You know, they've gained eight turnovers and they've they've turned it over six times. It's not like the sexiest of numbers, but it's still the best in the conference. So Take care of the ball. No I feel like interceptions. We just can't, well, interceptions, because I feel like we're maybe jinxing at this point by continuing to, by continuing to mention it, but Georgia State defense got to get an interception in this game. Still don't have one on the year. Uh, there weren't any real opportunities I can remember from the App State game, like in the Charlotte game or the Auburn game, where it's like you got to have that interception, but got to get that interception. And that Coach Ellie talked about this week in his press availability is that They've just got to be better in the throw game of making plays and being downfield and making. And it's also, we talked about the sacks. It, talk, it starts with the pass rush. Both the interceptions that App got last week against Georgia State were because they got home and impacted the quarterback. And so if the front seven, if the front four are able to get home, then that is going to make that job easier for the backside. So it all feeds together to say, I just think, I don't think any performance in this game is going to make Georgia State fans feel better about this team until it happens two or three times in a row and wins start getting racked up. But I do think that, I I understand people listening to this who are really going to want to see a just dominant performance. And I think that the chance is there for it to happen, but I know that ULM's played well at home. I know that Terry Bowden's got them playing scrappy and I know that they're going to get a fight. And this might be the case where like with app state with Georgia state on the wrong side of it, Georgia state might be able to have a play hit. And then at that point, just kind of hit their comfort zone and they might be the ones to be the aggressors and to take a hold of the game. But it's, Dangerous letting teams hang around, especially when you have this pressure on you. And so with that, I'll just say that this is kind of my first panic button game. If you're not getting home, getting sacks, if the passing game still can't find a rhythm, if the ULM offense is putting up points and getting big plays after this game, it would be the first time where I'll really say, okay, you can't say anything about the level of opponent. This isn't going into an SEC school. You're playing ULM, who's a team you've beaten three of the last four years. And this is where I will start saying, okay, the issues need to get sorted. But, you know, the game's got to happen for me to necessarily be there because I still think, end of the day, it's been a tough schedule, tougher than maybe you anticipated or were prepared for mentally as a team. But now you've got to start racking up these good performances. All right, so... Related to that, we did have a football question from Carlos on Twitter asking what we think Georgia State's possible record in the next seven game stretch could be if the offensive woes finally get fixed. What's your thoughts? I'm ready to give every football coach in America an aneurysm by looking ahead past the next game and do this question. The, the truth is, is that 
the Louisiana game on the road and the Coastal game on the road, you're probably going to be outright underdogs. As of right now, uh, underdogs by double digits on the road for sure. We'll see what happens when the game gets there. And the Georgia Southern game, because it's a road game, you also look at it and go, okay, you might be just a slight road underdog in that game. But the rest of the games on the schedule, I expect Georgia State to be favored, if not by a ton, but by enough to where they are the home favorites in a game. And so if they get stuff sorted out, I think that five and two is not at all unreasonable because of the schedule. And that's without having to pull off any upsets. I think if the offense starts getting better and the team starts racking up wins, you're going to return to that mentality of fans saying, okay, you're playing better now. So go get one of those wins against Louisiana and coastal. But even if you say right now, those are definitive losses, the rest of the games on the schedule, there's not a team on it that you can't beat playing just not bad ball. Like, it's not going to be games that require you to play your absolute best to pull an upset. You know, not like going into SEC country and playing Auburn, but it's, you know, if you can have just a standard level of Georgia State football where you're not making too many mistakes and you're moving the ball on offense, five of the seven left are winnable games for sure without breaking a sweat. It kind of gives me a uh, throwback to what was it, 2015? Ending the season, clinching that bull bid and the last game of the season at Georgia Southern, called by our very own Taylor Dynan, who was not able to make the uh, podcast this week. But hey, it's possible. It's happened before. So I know I like the last half of the schedule a lot more than the first half. We'll see. David, what you got? Except that three game road stretch. But, yeah, except you know, that. We can't worry about that one yet. Georgia State should at least be favored um, in every home game that they play, which is three home games, Texas State, Arkansas State, and Troy. They should at least be favored in all of those games. And then I'll give you a push in the Southern game. Um, And, you know, it's a rivalry game and, you know, weirder things have happened. Um, But I also agree with what Brady said about Louisiana and Coastal. You know, depending on how these next three weeks go, Georgia State could be looking at double-digit underdogs in either of those games. And I don't, especially with kind of the magic that Coastal has right now, um, unless they get knocked off the pedestal before then, I still think they're going to be the, you know, darling child of the Sun Belt pushing the top 10 of the, you know, rankings, I suppose. And while I'm a little bit down on Louisiana, offensively this year it's a home game for them um you know i think if there was ever a time for georgia state to surprise with another great defensive performance that would be the one of the you know next couple of stretch but i i I think there are at least three wins here um and you know kind of the remaining three games will really determine outside of those three wins those remaining three games will honestly just determine you know whether or not the team is going bowling or not so i kind of copped out and didn't really give an answer but you know for putting a definitive stamp on something let's say four and three just miss bowl eligibility by one game And I don't even know if I'm saying they'll go five and two. I just I think that that is the top end. And I don't as unreasonable as it seems to be like, yeah, this team who's currently one and four and hasn't played very well can finish the season five and two. That definitely can happen. It's not you know, it's definitely a more favorable stretch to win that many games than what the start of the season was. So I just don't think it's that outlandish. I think it just when you look at the context of it, it's it's more believable. But 
there's still work to be done to be that five and two team for sure. And we're going to have to see it happen Saturday against Monroe. So we've got one more thing this week. We got sports bits for you. The GSU Hall of Fame class of 2021 has been announced by the school it is a slate of six individuals, uh, three athletes, a coach and a pair of supporters. Uh, first up, J.J. Gray in men's golf, Will Lutz in football, Chuck McEwen, men's tennis coach, Abigail Thierry Apisa, a women's tennis player, and then Tom and Patty Lewis, contributors to the athletic department for many years. You can see details on that on the Georgia State Sports website, as well as the composite sports calendar. We'll give you some highlights for this upcoming week, of course. Volleyball versus Georgia Southern in Atlanta, 6.30 p.m. tonight as of releasing this podcast, as well as men's soccer at Bowling Green at 7 p.m. Friday, women's soccer takes on South Alabama in Atlanta at 7 p.m. Saturday, a lot of stuff going on in Panther Athletics. Women's tennis at Georgia Southern in Statesboro. The Georgia Southern Fall Shootout. Women's cross country at the UAH Invitational in Huntsville, Alabama. 8.30 in the morning. Volleyball at Georgia Southern at 6 p.m. Making that return trip after Thursday's game. Men's soccer at Akron, 7 p.m. Football at ULM, 8 p.m. on ESPN3 WRAS-FM 88.5 with Dave Cohen on the call there. And then Sunday, women's tennis at Georgia Southern all day during the Georgia Southern Fall Shootout in Statesboro. Men's golf at the Georgia State Invitational in Duluth all day. Tuesday, men's golf continues Georgia State Invitational and men's soccer takes on East Tennessee State in Atlanta at 7 p.m. So lots of good stuff going on in Panther Athletics. We will be covering, of course, football at ULM. So keep an eye out for our coverage on Twitter for that as well. Hope you have a fantastic week, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night, or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.